You're listening to season five, episode 11 of Vixen, a black beauty and pop culture podcast. If you enjoy what you hear today, please leave a review anywhere you listen to podcasts. Today's episode is the season five finale, the film review finale episode. Now, let's start the show. Hey y'all, welcome back to an all new episode of Vixen and it's Vixen at the crack of dawn. So if I sound a little weird, it's because it's literally the crack of dawn. Yeah, it's like 5am when I'm recording this. (laughs) So it's Vixen in the morning and today is very exciting because it is our finale episode which is very bittersweet every time I have to do this episode I get really excited because I love talking about movies and just like different themes with y'all but it's always sad because it means I'm about to go away for a little while but we will talk a a little bit more about that later Um, but right now we're going to talk about two movies that I would say are just very like cinemas with black girlhood I feel like we all saw these two movies at some point during our childhood I don't know if like it was appropriate for us to see these movies during childhood and that's again something we'll talk more about later um these are those movies that may not be popular to the mainstream but black people know them inside and out like doing the research for this episode y'all I swear I was blown away by like how little um people outside of us know these movies I'm like these are hits to me but Some people, you know, might consider them horror films. Some people may not. But I can definitely say, especially when we get into this poll later, both of these movies scared the hell out of a lot of us. So (laughs) both of the films we're going to talk about today fall into the Southern Gothic genre, um, which is defined as a subgenre of fiction that takes place in the American South and focuses on grotesque themes, damaged and delusional characters with hints of darkness and the supernatural, end quote. So the characters of these films are usually deeply flawed. They're very... um, eccentric and they usually have like very very deep backstory so that's the theme today we're going to talk about some southern gothic horror um and also just like what these movies mean to uh black girls black women um and how they represent us so now let's talk about our first movie which is beloved all right y'all so let's start this off talking about how beloved the movie came to be so this is a really good story um in september of 1987 the award-winning novel by tony morrison of course also named beloved was released and it was read in one night one night by none other than oprah winfrey i don't know how she read beloved in one night i don't i don't know if that's uh, as the kids would say cap um, but there's, we just read Beloved with a uh, Vixen Book Club. Join if you haven't. Um, we just read that and like, no way I would have been able to read that book in one night. Not that it's too long. It's just like the, the material. Oh my God. But anyway, Oprah read this book in one night y'all and she loved it. And she knew that she needed to get a movie adaptation on the table. So Oprah had no way of contacting Toni Morrison herself, which is crazy. So (laughs) what she did is she called the fire department in Tony City in New Jersey and told them to, and this is a quote um, from a 1998 interview with the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette. This is the quote. Call Tony and tell her Oprah called. So I I guess they did what they was told. They were like, Tony, 
Oprah Winfrey just called in for you. So Oprah heard back from Tony later that night and the two discussed a film deal where Tony named her price and Oprah instantly agreed, which I love. In another 1998 interview with the Chicago Tribune, Oprah said, happy to do it from one black woman to another. I thought I can give you exactly what you asked for, end quote. I love this story because this is the only film adaptation um, of any of Toni Morrison's work. So for her to have that one movie made um, and get exactly what she wanted for it and be able to work with another black woman is just, that's super cool. I love that. But anyway, even though that initial setup was quite easy and the deal was made soon after, it was really hard for this movie to get made. It took 11 years. Um, and that was mainly due to different directors. So a director would sign on and either leave the project or be dismissed from the project. I'm assuming probably due to creative differences or the script would go through these very serious changes that took a long time to be made. So Oprah said herself that she was really naive at the time about how hard it would be to make a movie, but she kept at it and the rest was history. Jonathan Demme, who directed Philadelphia and The Silence of the Lambs, signed on to Beloved, and Oprah Winfrey was cast as the lead character, Setha. Supporting Setha was Danny Glover as Paul D., Kimberly Elise as Denver, and Thandie Newton as Beloved. So, spoiler alert for Beloved, y'all. I'm about to go into a little summary of the movie, so if you haven't seen it and you want to watch it, Pause here and then come back when you finish. Okay. All right. So as for the movie, it's 1873 in Cincinnati, Ohio. And Setha is a formerly enslaved woman raising her daughter Denver in a home that has been haunted for years. So the spirit that haunts their home is believed to be the ghost of Setha's oldest daughter. Denver isn't Setha's only child. So her two sons ran away from the home eight years ago because the spirits were just way too much for them. Um, so those two have run away. Um, her oldest daughter is dead and is haunting the home. And then her youngest daughter, who she actually had when she was escaping from slavery, is the only other person that lives in the house. So Denver and Setha are housebound, like they do not leave their home and they're kind of like outcasted in their community. People don't really bang with them and we, I'm going to tell y'all why, but yes, the community does not fuck with them at all. So they don't leave the property ever until Paul D, who is one of the men that um, Setha was enslaved with, reappears. So he comes and he like, you know, needs a place to stay. Setha is like, yes, stay with us. He comes in. He's like, what the hell is going on in here? Because as soon as he comes in, he sees the spirit. Um, so his presence kind of forces the spirit out. Um, and he convinces Denver and Setha to just start venturing outside of their home, experiencing life, doing fun things. And this is the first time in years that they've done this. So one day, the three of them go to a carnival together. And when they get back home, there's a young sickly woman named Beloved on the steps. So Beloved, they clean her up. They take her in. Everything's all good for a little bit. But then she begins to terrorize terrorize the household she pushes paul d out she honestly and trigger warning here she actually um assaults him she rapes him i know y'all this scene scared the living hell out of me where she's like touch me on the inside like girl what the hell anyway so she assaults paul d um she pushes him out and then she starts like mentally abusing setha um and financially draining the household so much so to the point that you know setha loses her job um and her presence just like consumes Setha and basically sends the family into further ruin, making them even more fragile than they already were before she came in. Um, and Setha is just like 
it's she almost becomes like very childlike it's even more intense in the book I don't know how many of y'all have read the book as well um other than my book club girls but she just set the just like really is like she becomes she lives to please beloved and she does everything for beloved she buys beloved whatever she wants she can't say no to her and she just like allows beloved to control the household um and let's talk about why that is so we find out that beloved is indeed setha's late daughter um and that years ago when setha escaped from her slave master she attempted to kill her children um and successfully killed beloved in order to prevent them from being captured by the four horsemen that were on their way to bring the family back into captivity so i won't go any further into the plot because i know y'all kind of get the gist and that's pretty much like the major plot line the, the if you it's a beautiful movie. I'll give it that, but it's very scary. Um, but there's a lot of like really deep seated like storylines there. So I don't want to give it all away, but it's just a ton of trauma to unpack there. Um, so yes, that is indeed her late daughter. And that is why Setha is so like emotionally attached to her. And it gets to the point where, you know, Denver, her daughter, her youngest daughter ends up leaving the household because it's just like, it's too much for her to bear as well. So that's the movie for the most part. The movie was released on October 16th, 1998. And even though the project had big names on board and a pretty decent press run, it did not do well at the box office, y'all. This was surprising to me. I don't know how many of y'all knew this, but of course when Beloved came out, I was too young to be paying attention to numbers and stuff. Um, it only earned $21 million in its first month, which... Mm, Compared to the $55 million budget Beloved had, that ain't good at all to only do 21 in the first month. So it was essentially a flop. Here's what Oprah had to say about the box office failure. Um, and this is from a 2017 interview with British Vogue. It taught me to never again, never again, ever put all of your hopes, expectations, eggs in the basket of box office. Do the work as an offering and then whatever happens, happens, end quote. So I, hmm. I was shocked to see that this movie didn't do well and it had such a big budget. I kind of wonder why it didn't do well and y'all feel free to add your two cents in here. But um, I don't know. It just seems like maybe people just weren't ready for this kind of movie talking about slavery. And it's interesting because maybe like, let's say 10 years after the release of this movie, 2008-ish or whatever, um, people loved movies about like suffering. Like we got a lot of, what is it, 12 Years a Slave, Django, we got all of that. Um, but people didn't want to see a movie like this that really deals with like the post-slavery um experience and i'm saying post-slavery in quotes because uh still slavery going on but anyway y'all know what i mean but yeah I, I wonder if like the subject content people didn't get it um black people i'm sure showed up for this but uh, especially with oprah as the lead but i wonder if other people just couldn't connect with the material because of what it dealt with and um do you guys think also like with they having a white director? Like, I don't know. It's uh, There's a lot of reasons why. And also that quote, I did read a couple things about Toni uh, Morrison being very upset with the outcome of Beloved and just like a couple rumors that were posted about her and Oprah falling out after that. I, I believe they made up before Toni Morrison's death. Um, but that quote from her from that British Vogue uh, interview kind of it kind of implies like maybe she like she thought it was going to be this huge hit so she was like amping it up and amping it up to Tony and it didn't happen and maybe that was the cause of their fallout I'm not sure what do you guys think 
Okay, so let's talk about little known facts. For every film review finale, I love to add on like some some little facts about the movie or the show that we're talking about. So here's a fun fact about Beloved. So it is a fictionalized take, of course, but it's actually based on a true story. I did not know this. So um, before writing Beloved, Toni Morrison had read a 1856 newspaper article called A a visit to the slave mother who killed her child. Um, and this article covered an enslaved woman named Margaret Garner who escaped her captors and fled to Ohio that year. She was at risk of being captured due to the Fugitive Slave Act of 1850. So y'all know how like in movies um, about this time, we'll see like those people who literally slave hunters, people who um, hunted um, enslaved people for, for reward money and whatnot. So this was basically the act that legalized that. It called for the capture and return of any enslaved person who had run away from one state into another um so they could come like if you escaped from like let's say georgia you got to a free state whatever even if you made it all the way there they were still legally um able to remove you and give you back to your former captor so when the u.s marshals burst into the cabin where margaret and her family were hiding out she had already killed her daughter um, and was trying to kill her other children to prevent them from being returned to slavery. So that is how Toni Morrison got the idea for Beloved. Um, and we'll talk a little bit more about like that kind of just like trauma and like the effects of like what slavery did after the, after people and what slavery did to people's minds, um, you know, even once they became free. So let's move on. Now let's talk a little bit about the Southern Gothic theme of Beloved. I'm sure y'all already know about that, but there's a lot of use of the supernatural there um, that is kind of used as a way to like haunt and heal the characters. So before Beloved appears in human form, of course she terrorizes the home as a ghost, so much so to the point that her two brothers escape um, and she forces Denver and Seth like inside um then when beloved takes physical form she has these like very creepy bizarre mannerisms um that almost kind of make her seem like a witch like the whole touch me on the inside thing that scene and then when she was like impregnated it just it, she just she's creepy oh she's really creepy but um she just like has a bunch of like very creepy things that she does and just like the way that the director jonathan demi used like the house to like indicate that she was like the lights and stuff like that the way he used the home to indicate that it was haunted it was just it, it was a lot there a lot there um and like I said uh if you guys have read the book the Vixen Book Club we read it not too long ago um she seems even creepier in the novel than she does in the movie y'all and I I honestly to this day I am still afraid of that movie because I re-watched it last week to prepare for this episode and I'm like I'm still scared at my big age. Um, but honestly, she's creepier to me in the book than the movie. And that is really saying something. So y'all need to read that book if y'all haven't. And it's it's really interesting because even though like Beloved is actually pretty violent, in my opinion, um, she forces Setha to deal with her past and like things that she's blocked out. And she also forces Denver to gain her own independence. So that's what I mean by like she haunts them and she kind of heals them in the same way, even though she's violent and scary as fuck. Um, but she like Denver is like like once they go into financial ruin um and she's seeing Denver seeing her mother become like so childlike and so attached to this woman she's like she's ruining our lives Denver's like okay 
I ain't never socialized. I don't have no friends. I don't have nobody. I don't know what it's like out there in the world, but I got to get out there and get some help. And she realizes that because of Beloved. So Denver actually kind of grows up and she like in the start of the movie, she's like, she is very childlike herself. I would say Denver to be 18. Um, but she becomes an adult, like just off of what Beloved puts her family through. And then at the end, spoiler alert for those who haven't seen it. And then at the end of the movie, we kind of see her being like a successful adult and like she good, everything's fine. Um, so Denver gains her independence from, you know, experiencing Beloved and Setha has to deal with like the pain um, and the trauma and the past and everything that happened to her. Um and also what she did to her daughter in order to have peace. And I think Beloved kind of comes back um, to haunt them because she ain't going to be able to rest until they deal with their shit, basically. So it's just kind of like haunting and healing and just lots of trauma, lots of love. Very, very emotional movie and even more emotional book. Like it's just, it's an incredible work of art. I would say both are very incredible works of art and, um, I don't know. It, it's crazy to see like how that maternal passion that women have, um, it can become dangerous. And it's like Setha loved her kids so much. And there's a scene where Paul D, uh, Danny Glover's character, like says something to her about like love. Her love is like too much. Like It's like you're too much. And he's like, I think he calls it thick or something like that. And, um, she's like, you know, love ain't meant to be thin. You know, it's not love if it's thin and like to love your kids so much. So she's like, I did the right thing. And when beloved comes back, she's trying to explain to her, like, I had to do that because of the horrors of slavery. And I didn't mention this in my summary again, spoiler. Um, but Setha went through some horrific, horrific things during slavery. If you have seen the movie or you want to watch the movie you will see them i won't go too in depth about them um this whole episode is a goddamn trigger warning within itself but um so i'll i'll spare y'all there but she goes through some horrific things with slavery she sees horrific things she's ripped away from her husband um her husband um basically goes like insane because of what you know slavery has done to him and his family so to her, Setha is like, I would rather y'all be dead than have to go through what I went through. And I mean, I was going to ask y'all in the poll, but honestly, I thought that was way too heavy to be like, what she did, what do y'all think about what she did? Was she right? Was she wrong? What would you do? And I feel like we haven't experienced that, so we don't know what the hell we would do. We can say it's crazy all we want, but like, we don't know what we would do um, when we're facing that. And I think that kind of like the danger that dangerous maternal passion or whatever like it, it's developed as a trauma response to slavery and to hear that this was a real story I was shocked by that fact but honestly I don't know if I was surprised because I'm sure a lot of people did stuff like that to prevent their children from having to to deal with slavery I mean I would think that would be to find out you're pregnant while you are enslaved had to have been horrifying you get what I'm saying like just you don't want your kids to have to experience that you don't know how these people are going to treat your kids you got to make sure you keep your kids on the straight and narrow so that they don't bear the brunt of what other people have to do like it's just it's so terrifying and this movie says a lot about like 
what people went through. Because I think when when you learn about slavery um, in school or, or you have like a very basic, like general understanding of it, I think some people might think, okay, you know, you become, you either escape or, you know, you were freed. Um, and then, you know, it's like, woo, we good now. No, the hell we was not. Like, just think about the mental effects that that would have on people's brains and just like what they would have to deal with to be able to even have um, a regular life. And a lot of people try to, you know, mask the pain or try to forget the pain. Setha tries to forget the pain, um, but she's haunted. Her home is haunted. Um, and she ends up um, secluding her and her surviving daughter away from the world. Um, and then baby Suggs, who is, um, Setha's mother-in-law, it was her husband's, um, her husband's mother, baby Suggs, her children all were enslaved as well. She was a free woman. And as a trauma response, she kind of just had to like, remember what she could about her kids, think about the good times and just choose to like, not be too attached to them. And I think a lot of women probably went that route too, trying to, you know, disattach, um, themselves from their children because they they did they didn't have ownership they they knew that their children were were owned by somebody else so it's like you see these two women um and their response to slavery in different ways and then you add in like just the supernatural effects of it all and it's just an incredible work i feel like i can go on and on about that so i'm gonna go ahead and cut myself off but that was beloved we're gonna talk about our next movie now by the mid-1990s, actress Casey Lemons had starred in both Candyman and The Silence of the Lambs, so there's a little connection between Eve's Bayou and Beloved. However, Casey was annoyed by the lack of roles for Black actresses in Hollywood, and she had the burning desire to tell more stories centered around Black people and our experiences. So at the time, she was always playing like the Black friend, Black best friend. Y'all already know what's that, what that's giving. Um, so she was like, you know, we got a lot of stories. We have a lot to say and I want to center black people and she basically wanted to make a movie with all black people. Casey was then hired to write a screenplay with two playwrights and that got her into the Writers Guild so her first solo screenplay was the first draft of Eve's Bayou. In a 2019 interview with Shadow and Act, Casey said, Eve's Bayou began as a series of short stories and the children were the first layers in the short stories. Gradually, I came to realize that it was about me, but I don't think I realized that at first. It wasn't strictly autobiographical or anything like that. However, in some ways, I was processing my childhood and fixing my own things that happened to me, things that I was still wrestling with. It was a form of therapy, honestly. At the core of Eve, it's me and my childhood and wrestling with how powerful I was as a child. How did I fight my way through uncomfortable situations and the distress that I felt? End quote. These are the films that really represent black girlhood. Not that we've all had these experiences. Just saying like when I think of my childhood and like movies that I watch, I always think of Eve's Bayou. And I think like that quote kind of just says... Um, it kind of represents like how much like black women, black girls related to these situations, whether we have been through them or not. Um, but I don't know. I just thought that that was a great quote to include, especially when we're talking about black girlhood and the movies that we watched. At first, Casey had no plans to bring Eve's Bayou to life, but she knew that she would do something with it eventually. Um, it kind of was just going to sit on the side for her. Here's another quote from a 2019 interview with Believe magazine. 
after I wrote it, I didn't intend to direct it. I thought if I directed, it would be a long time from then. But I did write a part, Mazel, and I thought, you know, one day I'll grow into this part. She's kind of based off my Aunt Muriel and characters I loved in Southern literature. While I was shopping that script, I realized I had actually written something delicate and that I cared what happened to it. And one day I woke up and it was like an epiphany. I thought, I'm the director for this film, end quote. So after creating a short film called Dr. Hugo with cinematographer Amy Vincent, the two then collaborated on Eve's Bayou, um, and she shopped the movie around for two years before it finally came to fruition. Eve's Bayou, Casey's first major directorial debut, was released on November 7th, 1997, and starred Journey Smollett as Eve, Megan Good as Cicely, Lynn Whitfield as Roz, Debbie Morgan as Mazel, Diane Carroll as Elzora, and Samuel Jackson, of course, as Lewis. So Eve's Bayou was made with a $3 million budget, so that is an indie film. That's an indie film. I know that sounds like a lot of money, but for a movie, y'all, that's very indie, um, especially with these names attached to it as well. They did really good to keep it at that budget. But anyway, so it was made with a $3 million budget, and it generated $14 million at the box office, which isn't a lot um, when it comes to box office blockbusters. But for an indie film, that is really, really good. So this was not a flop. It was a bop, as the kids would say. And this is just so inspiring to me because for her to like transition from acting into writing and directing and her first film have these names attached to it and it's an indie film and just to be like so successful like that off rip is just that's amazing it just shows you really just have to do the work okay so now we're gonna get into a summary of eve's bayou so spoiler alert for those who have not watched the movie is set in 1962 and it follows the batiste an upper middle class black family living in louisiana they have a beautiful home they throw great parties they have a picture perfect family the successful doctor husband beautiful wife homemaker and they have three gorgeous children so there's elements of post-slavery experiences in eve's bayou just like beloved so the batiste are descendants of a former enslaved woman also named Eve um, and her captor a French aristocrat who was said to have founded the town that they live in um, so we'll talk more about like that connection later but yes those are their they are descendants of that woman um, and even though the family is pretty perfect on the outside there's a lot of deep-seated trauma there that they hide the movie starts off with a goddamn bang y'all so Eve catches her father sneaking around with a family friend who just so happens to be married um, and her husband is actually Louis the father's bestie um, and this sort of sets off everything so Eve and her older sister Cicely they kind of like fight for the affection of their father already um, and Eve goes to Cicely to tell her like hey this is what I saw um, and Cicely's like girl you didn't see that like that's not what you saw chill so like they that kind of like shows us like the dynamic of their relationship they kind of just like fight for his attention his affection but Cicely is like ride or die for her father and we will talk more about that later so Eve just kind of like lets it go but not really and her opinion of her father obviously wavers after this now there's a domino effect of family secrets coming out Louis the father he stays out late every night her brother Ross starts to become more anxious and Cicely's behavior becomes more odd and just more concerning um, and Eve is realizing her family is just not what she thought it was Louis cheats on Ross constantly and he doesn't really hide it like it's not 
you don't see it like as much as like you would think it's not like super it's pretty blatant actually <laughs> like he don't be trying to hide it y'all um and Roz is just like you know she wants to confront her husband she tries to confront her husband but for the most part like her circle just tells her you know wait it out it's what men do especially Louis' sister Mazel, um who we will talk a little bit more about later but Mazel is basically a pick me and her advice to her sister-in-law is like let men be men wait it out he'll get over it like it's just it's a lot. And that's a lot of people's attitude, y'all. But anyway, having to deal with this infidelity, it nearly just drives Roz like off the deep end. It's just, it's very emotional for her. And this is one of those movies that leaves a lot up to the viewer's interpretation. But there are multiple scenes between Cicely and Lewis that are uncomfortable to say the least. I'm not going to go too in depth with them. Trigger warning here. Um, but their relationship is very warped. There's a lot of grooming there. Um, and it's like, not only is Cicely in competition with Eve for her father's affection, she's also in competition with her mother for her father's affection. And she resents her mother because she blames Roz for Lewis' absence. So Lewis is always gone because he is a doctor. Um, so he has late nights because of that, but also because he be cheating. Like, so sometimes he might be working on patients, but a lot of times he's cheating. So while this is happening, Eve is becoming more and more frustrated with the family dynamics. Um, so another trigger warning here. There is a scene where molestation is implied between Cicely and Lewis. And Cicely, who is like heartbroken and confused about what happened, she turns and confides in her sister about it. So in the beginning, Eve tries to like, you know, confide in Cicely. Cicely's like, no. And now um, Cicely confides in Eve. Now Eve is Yes, he's like, you know, you fucking with Cicely. Like, I'm not, I don't like it. I'm already upset. So Eve is like really pissed at this point. And she goes to meet with a local witch to commission a voodoo spell. So this witch is obviously Azora, Diane Carroll's character. Um, So remember, y'all, Eve is only 10 in this movie. So she thinks that she's getting like a voodoo doll of her father that she can like poke at and stuff. So she goes back to the witch to pick up the doll thinking, okay, now I'm ready for the doll. And the witch is like, oh, no, baby, I put a curse on him. Like, you put a curse on your father. That's what I did. And, you know, he gonna die. So now Eve is like, oh my God, like I didn't want to kill him. I just wanted to, you know, get him back for what he's been doing to the family. So Eve tries to like save him, but she is unsuccessful. Lewis and the married woman that he was cheating with um, at the party earlier in the movie um, are caught in a bar by the woman's husband who then shoots and kills Lewis. So... That is pretty much the gist of the movie. That's not everything that happens. There's a ton of like little other storylines in there and other things that happens. Um, when Eve is at the height of her anger, she she tells um, the woman's husband, who which that is how he knows what's going on. Um, but yeah, there's a ton there, but I didn't want to, you know, wanted to give y'all a little general sum summary, not too much. So that is pretty much the movie. So let's talk about little known facts about Eve's Bayou. Okay, so here's some quick ones. Megan Good was originally cast as Eve before Journey. And I guess they were going to get like an older actress for Cicely's part. But then they found Journey and they made 
Megan Sisley. Um, Eve and Poe, which is the younger brother of Eve and Sisley, they are siblings in real life. Journey and Jake Smollett, of course. Um, and then also Deborah Cox shot the video for Nobody's Supposed to Be Here at the same place that Eve's Bayou was filmed. Same home, all of that, like... That's fire. And apparently that happened because the director of the video that Eve's Bayou is one of his favorite movies. Um, also in 2018, Eve's Bayou was added to the National Film Registry for being, and this is a quote, culturally, historically, or aesthetically significant, end quote, period. Love that for them. Also, here's a bigger little known fact. So Casey's cut of the film was very different from the one that was released in theater. So y'all know there will be like a director's cut. It's usually extended um, and it's different from the one that uh, we see. And it's usually not like that much of a big difference, but this one had a pretty big um, significance. So the director's cut was five minutes longer than the theater version. Um, and it also took a major character out of the movie. And that major character was another family member that lived with the Batiste family. So y'all know um, Aunt Mazel lived with them. And then there was another person, Uncle Tommy, who lived with them. So Uncle Tommy... Um, I haven't seen this extended version, but I want to. Um, so apparently Uncle Tommy was like a mute man um, who was wheelchair bound, but he knew a lot of family secrets. He, I guess he was just like, you know, the person that just knew everything. Um, and the character was inspired by one of Casey's great uncles. And she said that Uncle Tommy's presence really said something to her about black families. So how do y'all feel about that? Because this is the, my first time ever hearing that. And the first thing I thought about was that character. Um, I don't remember what his name is. The character from Soul Food that stayed in the attic. And they would be messing with him and putting the food there. Like that was the first thing I thought about. And I do feel like that says something about black families. Because black families, we do tend to like live communally. Like where it'll be like, okay you know, it's the grandkids live with their grandmother or like your grandma, your aunt, your uncle, they all live in the same house. Like we, we have that going on. Definitely reminds me of like my family. I don't know if y'all can also relate to that, but I was like, yeah, that's, that's true. That's actually a big part of the black experience. Like our uncles might live there. Our aunts might live there. We live with our cousins. Like I think that's actually a really big part, especially if it's someone who um, is disabled. That happens a lot in our family. So I agree with her. I feel like that does say something about black families. But um, anyway, we never got to see Uncle Tommy because a financer for the film did not want him in it. So they had to cut him out. And they actually used CGI to remove him from all of the group scenes. So that's interesting, right? I think I, I did see a photo. I was researching this like late at night one night. Um... And I did see a photo with him in it. And I was like, oh, wow, I would have never known. So that was some good CGI for the 90s, okay? Um, when Eve's Bayou was released for DVD in 2004, it was the director's cut instead of the theater version, which is pretty interesting. I couldn't find out why this happened or, like, whose call this was. It could have been a mistake. Um, not sure, but now I want to see that version. So I need to go find that version. Okay, y'all. So just like with Beloved, let's talk about the Southern Gothic themes in Eve's Bayou. So just like Beloved, there's a lot of like emotional and like supernatural magical realism happening in this movie. We got the fact that pretty much the entire town 
is the offspring of enslaved people and their captors, which is dark enough. So they live in like this swamp town. I don't remember if they actually say the name of the town in the movie or if it even is a real town. Um, it might have not been a real town. Basically, it's like a swamp town in Louisiana. And most people there are, the, it's like a Creole community. And most people there are like the products of like an enslaved person and their captor, their white captor. Um, so we already got that going on. It's quite dark. Then we have the backstory of the enslaved woman that the Batistes are related to, Eve. Like I said earlier, we was going to talk a little bit more about that. So um, Eve, uh, Eve Senior, <laughs> who is the, who they are descended from, that Eve, she saved her French master's life through a concoction that she created and it cured his illness. Um, and then she was then rewarded um, for that with freedom and land. So not only did she have, she had 16 children by her, um, master. Um, she also like saved his life. So, you know, they rewarded her, they, you know, freed her and they gave her some land. So that is how they have that beautiful home. Um, we've got Mazelle, Lewis' sister, who is a working psychic. So we see a scene of her with a client where she's like helping them find a missing family member. There's a bunch of like fast moving, scary black and white images. So we have like that, which that scene always stands out to me whenever I watch that movie. I think that was like the first, that was when I realized that movie was scary when I was a kid. <laughs> um, and what's wild about Mazelle is like she can pretty much see everybody's future but her own so like people pay her like to you know tell their future all of that stuff but she's she also considers herself a black widow like she and she's also known as that too um because all of her husbands have died violently there's a scene where she sees the ghosts of her husband's past in a mirror that is very creepy to me i watched the interview I, i'll try to link it for y'all because i can't remember like um who uh whose content that was that i was watching i'll try to link it but there's an interview of Casey Lemons talking about how she shot that scene. That was really, really interesting. So if y'all are curious, um, I'll try to link that for y'all so y'all can see her, hear her talk about it. That scene is really, really cool. It's like she's standing in the mirror and she's talking and then she like kind of goes in and she's in like a different like scene. It's really cool. It's, it's really cool. Really a sophisticated shot that we've, we see shots like that all the time now in movies, but a very sophisticated shot for the times. Okay. Um, so that's some of the Southern Gothic themes that we see. Um, oh, of course we can't forget about the local voodoo witch Elzora. So Roz's nervous energy, like just that anxiety that she has throughout the movie is kind of set off by Elzora because Roz goes and gets her, um, palm read by Elzora and Elzora is like, listen, something bad is going to happen. Um, so what she says is that Lewis is going to die and that Roz should keep an eye on her kids. So... Then Mazel has a vision that a child is going to die. And for Roz, this kind of confirms what Elzora predicted. And this causes her to try to like keep her children indoors for the summer. And of course, that further strains the family dynamic because the kids and Lewis are even more frustrated with each other and with her because she's doing that. So Mazel got that shit wrong. Um, clearly, it wasn't that a kid was going to die. Elzora was right. Lewis is going to die. Um, and that Ra should keep an eye on her kids, but not in the sense that they were going to die. Just, you need to keep an eye on your kids if you get what I'm saying. So there's that part of it. Then Elzora also hates Mazel, teasing her for her Black Widow status. And I feel like this probably has a lot to do with how much of a pick-me Mazel is. 
Um, because Mazel, although she has like this psychic ability and she could be like a really, really powerful independent woman she lives her life for the approval of men like she basically just broods around craving men's acceptance and just like you know she just has a very woe is me attitude throughout the whole movie so they're you know mortal enemies I guess and then of course Elzora is the source of the curse that killed Lewis because like I said Eve uh went to her for that she what she thought was a voodoo doll and ended up being you know a curse for her father so that is the you know the southern gothic themes in eve's bayou you watch these movies and you really don't understand like the pain the trauma you just see it as scary and it's like wow they're going through a lot like you know they're going through a lot here it's a lot happening here um and it's scary but when you watch this them as an adult and you just like see like the things that black women go through and how it's universal you know we have um beloved being set in the 1800s and then eve's bayou being in the 1960s but like a lot of what these women are going through and what they're dealing with is still relevant today it shows like just how resilient we are as black women how strong we are and just like the way that we deal with our trauma and our pain and just like facing that up front um and just how it materializes in us and um it says a lot about black family dynamics to us, how, you know, we protect certain family members um, who we don't need to. And just like the element of pain in both of these movies, like watching this as an, watching them both as an adult, I get it. Like, you know what I'm saying? I feel like my feelings are all over the place because both movies are super, super emotional, but I definitely get it more now at 28 than I did at eight, nine, 10, or whenever, however old I was when I watched these movies for the first time. And I just want to say, y'all, I watched these two movies in this pretty much in the same day, one at like the middle of the night. And then I woke up and watched the other one. So it was like technically kind of the same day. But anyway, y'all, when I say I had a bad day that next day, <laughs> My mood was awful the next day, but it was important for me. I think it was really important for me to watch those movies again. So if you do want to watch them again, definitely, you know, protect yourself. Make sure you're in the correct mental space to be watching both, especially Beloved, I would say. Um, but, you know, it's just important. And, and I'm glad that we have these movies. Now, I probably am not going to watch these movies again for another 10 years. Probably, especially Beloved again. But... It was important for me to see that as an adult. Um, and these these are just movies that... Just the elements of pain, trauma, and just like what black women go through is just so... It's, it's a lot. Like, we are so amazing just as a people. And then our women are just... Wow. I don't want to get emotional, y'all. So let's move on to the next segment. Let's talk about this poll, okay? Okay, y'all. So for those of you who are new here, for every film review finale, we do a poll just talking about the movie, certain elements of the movie, certain characters, how we felt about the movie. It's always a lot of fun. This one might have been a little darker than our other ones, just with the subject matter at hand. But we're going to go ahead and talk about it and just 
yeah, I love hearing y'all's opinions on stuff like this. So let's go ahead and get into it. Did or do you find either of these movies scary? 66% of you guys said yes. 34% of y'all said no. I do think for the most part, like as a child, these movies were scary to us. I honestly still find um, Beloved a little scary. Um, actually, both of them a little scary as an adult. But yes, they they were horror movie movies to me as a child. So I agree. Um, which one is scarier to you? Of course, the choices were Eve's Bayou or Beloved. 48% of you guys said Eve's Bayou and 52% said Beloved. So that is pretty close. I'm trying to think which one. To me, Beloved is scarier. Um, I think there's more imagery there that is just a little more terrifying. And um, both deal with very heavy, dark subjects, but Beloved is just a bit darker. So I agree, but that's really close. Next question. Who's the worst character in Beloved? I gave y'all school teacher and Beloved as choices. I cannot believe that Beloved won this. 59% Beloved, school teacher 41. School teacher was, oh, y'all, Beloved is the way she is because school teacher. Now, school teacher, if you haven't seen the movie recently, maybe some people didn't know who he was. School teacher is the, um, was their captor, like the, the, um, Setha's former slave master and the reason why Setha I didn't want to like go into this um, too much but basically school teacher was the reason and the source of all of Setha's trauma he was absolutely horrible to her and her family um, so she would have never even like murdered beloved if it hadn't been for school teacher so i disagree with y'all there i feel like school teacher was the worst character because beloved was also very violent and scary and like fuck that but she was a product of school teacher next question how old were you the first time you saw these movies i gave three options child teen adult 30 percent teen 14% adult and 57% child this is what i was saying earlier in the episode why were we watching this why are we watching this? What was going on? I, I don't know why we watched this, y'all. I, I, I would love to get, you know what? After this, I'm going to call both my mom and my grandma and be like, what were y'all thinking? <laughs> I don't know. Y'all should do the same. Actually, I'm like, why did we want, why did so many of us see these movies as kids? There's other movies that I want to talk about on other film review finale episodes. I'm like, why the hell have I seen that? Um, but yeah, I thought it was funny that 57% of y'all also saw it as kids. Then I asked who was the, the bigger villain between Lewis and Beloved. So Lewis from, um, from, um, Eve's Bayou, of course, and then Beloved from Beloved. 61% said Lewis and 39% said Beloved. I agree because Lewis was just like messing with his family for no reason. Like nobody even did anything to him. At least Beloved had like a chip on her shoulder. Lewis was just an asshole. Next question was, which movie has the heavier subject matter? 54% said Beloved, 46% said Eve's Bayou. Pretty close, but I would agree Beloved definitely has the heavier subject matter. Both are pretty uh, dark, but definitely Beloved. Yeah. Then I asked, who's the worst character in Eve's Bayou? And the choices were Lewis and Mazel. 22% Mazel, 78% Lewis. Y'all already know, Lewis is a grade A dickhead. I agree. Um, then I asked, is Southern Black Gothic a film genre that you want to see more of? 89% of you guys said yes. 
Um, 11% said no. So I actually found a list of uh, Southern Black Gothic movies that I want to check out. A lot of movies in this genre have come out like in the last, I want to say like five to 10 years. So if you guys want some suggestions, hit me up. Next question, watching as an adult, do you see Cicely and Roz as the victims or antagonists in their story? 26% uh, said antagonists, 74% said victims. I don't know what the 26% was thinking y'all. Lewis, was messing those women up. They were he was messing those women up in the head. Um, they definitely were the victims. But I can see the reason I asked that question though is because I think like when you're younger, I'm not sure exactly what I thought, but I probably did think like Cicely was doing too much, um, and she was just she was kind of villainized like a little bit. But then as an adult, like you see it and you like, you see that she's being groomed. She was being abused by her father. Um, so I can see like how you would think that, um, younger, but as an adult, I'm like, nah, they were definitely victims. Uh, so same question for beloved. Do you see Seth and beloved as the victims or antagonists in their story? Uh, 74% victims, 26. Oh, oh my God. The same. It was literally the exact same number. Um, of course I agree. Of course I agree. Beloved and Setha were products of school teachers, cruelness of the cruelty of slavery, the effects of slavery. It was all just like a domino effect from that. So I agree. Then, um, these are like, here's like an open-ended question. I asked y'all, who was your fave character from both films and why? Um, so we had one person say, Setha, her losing her mother, her independence and distrust of men is familiar to me. That's, that's deep. That's deep. I, I agree. I, I agree for sure. Um, then I had someone say, also not a character, but I love Roz and Mazel together. They're so embracing with each other. I agree. Like watching Roz and Mazel's uh, dynamic was fun. It was great to see them together. Um, but uh, Mazel was definitely a pick me and was giving Roz some horrible advice. Uh, then I had someone say, I liked seeing the sisterhood built between the two of them, Denver and Beloved. Yeah, that was great until Beloved started to like really wild out. Like seeing them together was great because Denver definitely needed um, just somebody. And she had no friends because she had been secluded from the world uh, for her entire life. Then um, Marty's husband, Larry, in the first half of the movie, he's this kind professor who loves his wife. So that is um, the woman. Marty is the woman who uh, Lewis was cheating on Roz with in Eve's Bayou. And Larry was her husband, her unsuspecting husband, who was uh, just a sweet old professor until he learned his wife was cheating on him. And he said, oh, nah, you you go, you going to die today. Um, someone said Diane Carroll's character as the voodoo lady. Scary, but I liked her in Eve. Yes, she was scary. She she had a big part in making Eve's Bayou a horror film. I agree. Um, then someone said Eve because she didn't just sit by and take whatever she was told. Sis was going to find the truth. Okay, I know that's right. Eve was like, listen, if the adults won't get to the bottom of it, I'm going to get to the bottom of it. Okay, she, she was not playing. So I agree. I love these answers. Next question. Your favorite protagonist slash sister. So they're both sisters, also both protagonists. Um, and your choices were Eve and Denver. 32% said Denver. 68% said Eve. I agree because again, like we just said, Eve was, Eve was searching for the truth. But I like Denver too because she was like, no, nah, I don't like this. So I'm going to go be independent. 
Then I asked if there was a remake of one, which one would you choose? 74% said Eve's Bayou, 26% said Beloved. I do think Beloved should be left alone. Um, I, I would not want to see a remake of that. I do think an Eve's Bayou remake could be pretty cool, um, especially for like younger people to see that, like younger girls to, to watch that. It could even have like a little updated twist, but definitely keep that setting Creole, Louisiana. Um, I think that would be great. Like I, I would watch that and I'm not even really a fan of remakes. I think I've said that multiple times on here, but like, yeah, <laughs> I would, I would actually watch that. Then I asked, beloved, book or film? Um, and 59% of you guys said book, 41% said film. The book was good, but it was more traumatizing to me than the uh, movie. So I'm going to go with the film. <laughs> but for people who say book, I get it because it, you just get more um, of the backstory of the uh, characters and you learn more. It's a lot deeper than what we saw in the movie, even though the movie is like pretty deep, but it, it's just a lot going on. Um, but yeah, so I, I just find the book more traumatizing. So I'm just saying, if y'all gonna read the book, read the book, but it's just a lot going on there. Uh, next question, favorite of the two, 90% said Eve's Bayou, 10% said Beloved. I actually really like both of these movies, but the only one that really has like a ton of replay value to me is Eve's Bayou only because Beloved is just so heavy and traumatizing. It's not a movie. Like I said, I probably won't watch it again for 10 years. Um, it's just not a movie that like I would be like, you know what? Cut on that Beloved. Uh-uh, don't, don't cut on Beloved. So I agree. Then I asked, do you think that young black girls should watch these movies? This is a whopping response. 12% said no and 88% said yes. Um, I agree. And now let's get into the next question, which was why or why not? Why should they see it? Why shouldn't they see it? So someone said womanhood is complex. Womanhood is definitely complex. And even though these movies are like set in separate times and, you know, they're not in the same universe technically, um, they deal with issues that women are still facing today. And I do think like it kind of shows you the plight of women and like what we go through as women so definitely agree with that then someone said because <laughs> i had to lol shit i don't know <laughs> so you showing it to the kids because you had to keeping up tradition <laughs> i know that's right then someone said how young question mark um let family teach these sensitive subjects then see the film yeah i mean i don't know i don't know so parents out there Listeners who are parents, would you guys let your kid watch Beloved or Eve's Bayou or both right now? Like, or and what age are they? Like, is that something that you would want your kids to see at the moment? I don't know because I don't have kids, but I would want my kid to watch these movies at some point. I would probably show Eve's Bayou. I guess I would probably show Beloved too, but definitely like a little bit older than when I watched it. Cause I was definitely like not even a preteen when I saw these for the first time. I probably will wait till like 12, 12, 13, something like that. Um, but yeah, that's, that's pretty much what I would do with it. Um, but yeah, Another thing, when you watch these so young, and I get what this person is saying, because when you watch these movies so young and you don't really have a concept of what that means or what this is, you don't get anything out of it. It's just like a scary movie. You get what I'm saying? So definitely, I agree, you would want to at least like make sure the child has some kind of knowledge of the subject matter before you show it to them. So I totally get that.
Okay, then someone said historical aspects of our treatment and to see how far we've come. Like I was saying earlier, I do feel like sometimes when um, when you learn slavery in school, I don't know what it's like now because I ain't been in school a long time. But when you learn slavery in school, they kind of like wrap it up in a nice little bow like once, you know, it's abolished. So um, just dealing with like, just showing them that like this is something that still affects us today. We're still feeling the the effects of slavery today in 2022. So seeing what it was like for people who were like fresh out of it, um, like in Beloved or like a hundred, a couple hundred years removed from it, like in um, um, Eve's Bayou to now in 2022 and realizing like it still affects black people, it still affects us um, as a whole. We were disenfranchised by it. some people left with something, you know, like the family the Batiste family has that that land or whatever but you know there's still a lot of deep-seated issues there and just what other people face after slavery and things like that so I do think that's important then someone said it's a lesson that needed to be seen yeah definitely for sure for sure next question was overall thoughts on beloved someone said better as an adult for sure because to me it was just like what the hell is wrong with that girl i'm scared please cut this off someone said my stomach turns thinking about this movie some scenes are hard to watch absolutely i would say like all of the flashbacks to setha when she was younger um when she was enslaved or when she had just escaped from slavery those are probably some of the worst scenes in the movie for me very hard to watch I had to fast forward through them a little bit um someone said the film was confusing to follow and dragged yeah I mean I you know what I I don't necessarily agree with that but I can see why somebody would feel that way and I don't know if it's because I had already read the book for the first time um after seeing the movie but a lot of criticism that beloved got as I said earlier it was a bit of a flop at the box office people just felt like it wasn't it was misdirected it just wasn't directed properly he didn't do a good job so that's that's you know valid then someone said your love can bring things back in your life so don't love too hard devils be listening yeah I mean that kind of that maternal instinct that Setha had materialized into something really violent and dangerous and dark um, I'd still think, you know, love hard, of course, but it, it says something about like love under distress, if you know what I mean. Then someone said, I used to watch it just because then as an adult, I fully understood it and now enjoy it. Now, sis, I don't know about enjoyment. <laughs> I'm just playing, but no, I, I get what I'm teasing, but I totally know what you mean. And I agree. Yeah. You, you get it more as an adult you totally get it more and just the cultural significance of it and what you what you see the movie is really talking about behind like you know the realism the magicalness of it all and like um just the southern gothic theme of it all it's like you really get like to the deep-seated pain that's there um and you get it more and then I'm like yeah the, these people they just wasn't ready they wasn't ready um another critique of it uh someone said text is too dense to make this a, a successful film I would agree I would agree I would agree and I think um that's probably why it took them 11 years to get it out there because that's that text is very dense like y'all it's a good book but it's a lot it's a lot and it's a lot of like other traumas that are mentioned in the book that aren't mentioned in the movie as if the trauma in the movie isn't bad enough um so yeah it, it definitely is dense and it, it was it's hard it's hard to take a film like that to take a book like that excuse me and make 
a proper movie that represents the book well. So, yeah. Um, so we had the same question for Eve's Bayou. Overall thoughts on Eve's Bayou. This was our last question. Someone said, every subject's film noir feel. Another person, even though I grew up in a very different time and place, there was so much to relate to. Absolutely. And I feel that same way about Beloved in certain ways. It's a lot for Black women to look at and relate to their own lives. Um, someone said, all-time favorite for all the scandalous reasons. Very easy to follow. I, yeah, I would say Eve's Bayou is definitely an easier watch than Beloved. Not only just subject matter, but it just kind of flows better. And that's the, the thing with like original scripts first versus things that are um, adapted from books. I really do feel like you have to be a certain director to be able to do them properly. Um, then just because your husband is the provider doesn't mean he should be able to cheat. That's embarrassing. Okay, period. Tell him again, girl. Yes, Lewis was out walling. And that's the crazy thing. Like, men want their women at home and, like, want them to be the homemaker, take care of the family. And then you go out and cheat with other women when you have this beautiful wife at home taking care of your, you and your kids. Very last one, beautifully shot, amazing cast. Absolutely. The, the cinematography work in that movie is so beautiful. Um, I can honestly watch Eve's Bayou on mute really and just like look at everything even the scarier aspects so i agree and amazing cast star-studded cast so that is our poll segment y'all and that concludes the episode let's move on to announcements and things like that okay y'all so as y'all know i'm so sad this is the season finale of vixen this is the season five finale can i just say y'all are amazing just the way that this podcast has grown i started this in august 2020 the way that this podcast has grown from now from then until now is insane i am so happy to have built this community with all of you guys i'm so happy that y'all tune in every week to listen um and that we're learning together we're discovering new things new people um and just learning more about our history and just things that make black women, black women. I'm so happy we have this. Um, so you guys are amazing. Thank you so much for everything. Thank you so much for all of the support. Um, as far as the book club, we still reading y'all. Um, so come over and join us. We are currently reading, uh, for the love of money by Omar Tyree this month. We will have a new book because March is almost over. I got to hurry up and finish this book, uh, before we get into our new one for April. So go ahead and join us y'all. You can go to my website, thevixenmemoirs.com, sign up for the book club so you can read with us. Yeah. So sign up for the book club. Keep up with me on Instagram at the Vixen Memoirs. That's where I do all my polls and fun stuff and announcements all else all of that is over there if you have submissions you can always dm me on instagram um but it's probably better for you to email me at vixenpodcast at gmail.com because i know i'll see it for sure sometimes with dms like i get quite a few of them so i don't really see them um so email it to me because it'll definitely come across my eyes if you email it um and yeah that is pretty much it of course, let me announce the date for the next season. Next season will start on May 11th, Wednesday, May 11th. We take a little hiatus, usually like four to six weeks in between seasons, just so I can write these episodes for y'all, read the books I need to read for y'all so I can give y'all these episodes. And yeah, I will see y'all on May 11th, but actually you will see me before then because I do have a bonus episode or two coming up for y'all. One is already done. Um... <laughs> 
but uh, I can't talk about it yet, but I'm really excited about it. So y'all will get that. And um, I will do another bonus episode as well before May 11th. So this ain't the last y'all seen of me, but I will be back um, on our regularly, regularly scheduled seasons on May 11th. So of course, keep up with me on Instagram and at the book club. Um, you will get some bonus content from me in between. I think I'm going to bring back the Instagram live thing. Um while I'm on hiatus, just so I can, you know, still talk to y'all, have good conversations. So, um, look out for an announcement on that on Instagram and yes, thank you guys so much for an amazing season. I was gonna, I wanted to do something really quick. Actually, let me go to the episodes for this season because I was going to say what my favorite episode this season was, but I have to like, look at them and see like, what was, what did I, what, what did I do this season? What did I do? Okay. Hmm. I'm looking. Okay. I would say my favorite episodes this season are a toss up. There's three. Ugh, I feel like I should say two. Let me think. Okay. So my top three are the Lithophane Prigen episode, um, the Black Girl Luxury episode, and the Sadia Morrison episode. I think I'm going to... I love all three of those. I love every episode this season. Don't get me wrong. But... Those are my top three. If I had to choose one, I'm probably going to go with the Sadia Morrison episode because she was just so relatable to me. And like that story really hit home. And then also just getting her story out there because I couldn't find a lot of press on it. So I would say that one was probably my favorite. Let me know what y'all's favorite was. But thank you guys again so, so much for an amazing season. I love y'all to the moon and back. I cannot wait to come back on May 11th um, for season six, which is insane. Um, can't believe six seasons. Um, but yeah, I love y'all and I will see y'all then. Look out for some bonus content. Follow me on Instagram. Call me, beat me. If you want to reach me, y'all know where to find me and I will see y'all on May 11th. Bye. Thank you for listening to Vixen. If you liked today's episode, don't forget to leave a review. If you have a submission, feel free to email vixenpodcast at gmail.com. We'll be back on Wednesday, May 11th with an all new episode. 